0: Greetings, SE land. This is Twig. Anthony Twig Wheeler here with another episode of Twig's SE Reflections podcast. This is an audio archive created specifically for somatic experiencing students and practitioners and others investigating and using the psychobiological information that's coming out of the new traumatology in their therapeutic and helping professional work. Hi there again. My name is Twig and I am happy to be returning for a New Year's 2019 podcast episode that I think I get to legitimately call episode 101. Let's call it 101. My nomenclature got a little confused back there a little bit and I've been trying to figure out how to get it back together again. So here we are. Episode 101 of Twig's SE Reflections. And today, today we're going to talk about like one of those New Year-y kind of things. Like, ooh, what do I got to do to do good at what I'm doing these days? And, and we're, going to, we're going to call it, we're going to say something about the practice of being an SE practitioner. The practice of being an SE practitioner. That's what I'd like to talk to you about today. and. To get out of my own way, I'd like to share with you a little inside story about this particular episode, which has been lingering and fomenting and boiling and at times just really grinding away at me inside through the day, through the night for over, this is gonna sound silly and perhaps just a little obtuse to you, but for over a year. For over a year, I have wanted to do this episode, and not having done it, not having said these things, my thoughts, Twig's thoughts, my thoughts, just, just mine, remind us of the contract of Twig's Essie Reflections Podcast. It's like this is a gift that I can share, something that I get to give to those who are interested and want to listen, who are out there doing something similar to what I'm um, I'm enthusiastic about more people feeling more confident and capable and content at doing, helping others feel better by um, essentially employing
1: the craft of somatic experiencing and the likeness thereof. Look here. That
0: year-long consideration of what I would say about the practice of being an SE practitioner has probably twisted my thinking about what I should say. You know, it's just overdone. It's overwrought. There's too much in it. I'm not going to say everything that I could say, that you could think of, that I could have wanted to have said, that would be maybe helpful. Any of that might not come out in this episode. This more than, then, is just what I can do What I can do to say,
1: um, there's something special, there's something unique about being a somatic experiencing practitioner,
0: of setting yourself up in the world by dint of your education, meaning that you went and trained in somatic experiencing therapy. By dint of your um, avocation, that you make some kind of stance in the world wherein you provide the service of guiding people through what we'll call here somatic experiencing style sessions. And that you would kind of be in combination with people in some kind of relationship with folks that they would employ you or take advantage of or take kind of help from your offering, meaning that you have somebody to work with that needs or wants your help in this way. That kind of combination that you you know the craft, you know it well enough to be doing SE style sessions, and you have somebody who wants help with something that would make it make sense for you to be kind of guiding them through an
1: SE-style session. That combination sets you up for all kinds of unique, um,
0: very lively and very important and beautiful and exquisite and yay, 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 yay that this is something that can happen and
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't it actually a big deal? I mean, you know, you could go get
0: all kinds of different letters in your name and you could fill up your wall with all kinds of certificates with pretty letters on them. Pretty letters, you know, little little like marks on them that, that made you say like, okay, look, I, I know this and I know that. And any one of those might put you in some kind of special circumstance too. They might, they would, they should, they should. I mean, if they're really
1: a craft, they should set you up for something unique and becoming an SE practitioner the being an SE practitioner
0: well it's unique it's unique right and I wanted to talk with you about it here on this episode 101 and uh, and if I'm not 100% inclusive of everything that could be said about it please forgive me right it it, it doesn't make sense to try to be, so it's a big deal. So let's name it then. Why, why would it be a big deal? Well, you know, because at the base of it, you're probably talking about trying to help somebody come into contact with, come into relationship with, feelings, sensations, images, Memories and thoughts, their meanings, their um, general sense of who and what they are, their existence, the elements of their existence, you are inviting them at times, and this is kind of a direction that you're going, into more
1: attention and participation with their lived experience.
0: which for those who would truly need a guide, somebody to help them with that kind of activity of being involved and participatory with their lived experience, for those who would want for and seek out and pay for and kind of give over their sense of, I know what I'm doing already, why would I want your help at telling me, guiding me on what to do, Um, A person would probably have something, you know, something wrong, something that they don't like, something that they haven't been able to fix themselves, something that their context hasn't helped get better. Which is a good way to say if something that's probably not so pleasant, you know, and we could just name the truth for some of us. In this work, we're going to work with folks that have been through the worst kinds of things.
1: Stuff that we don't want to happen to anybody. And,
0: of course, folks who have been through the worst kinds of things, they are some of the folks who need our help the most. And understandably, they're also the ones that are most distraught or find themselves most distraught and most pained by their lived experience. And in some kind of relationship, you know, let's just call it a correlation. Who knows how accurate one-to-one it is, but in some kind of relationship to just how bad it's been and how much resource and support and kind of ability to negotiate how bad it's been, having something to do with like how, how much it's lingered, the more the bad stuff has lingered, the more difficult it is to negotiate
1: the request to pay more attention to it. There's a bunch of other stuff that gets really, really complicated right inside of here, which is that
0: like there are all kinds of nervous system dynamics that in a distressed system start to express themselves and become essentially organizing or default principles of how this person behaves. Now, they don't intend to do this, perhaps, but perhaps social engagement makes somebody withdraw. Perhaps excitement makes somebody feel fear. Perhaps aggression makes somebody shut down. Perhaps the necessary responses of life, like excitement and aggression and social engagement, make it so that it's particularly difficult for any one person, any one person who really truly would need some help out of this, any one person to have a harder and harder time, going along with the process of what it would take to help them come out of it, I mean, I guess that's the way that I would have to say about that, right? It's not the way that I want it to be. It's not the way that you want it to be. It's not the way that they want it to be. But the truth is, in some way, the more distressed we are, the more bad things that have happened to us, the more we need help and support and guidance on what we should be doing with our attention so as not to reinforce the same psychobiological patterns that our nervous system is already reproducing that is making us continue to feel as though the bad stuff is continuing to happen. And so there's this some kind of need in here for guidance to help pull us out of that and, and give over to that guidance and accept that guidance and trust that guidance. And that's a oh heavy, hard thing to do. It's a heavy, hard thing to do. And... The SE practitioner can know that they got to do that and guide people and figure out how to negotiate those nervous system dynamics that make it so hard for people to free their attention and try new things. Feel something and have it feel somehow different rather than feel the same kind of thing this time too. The SE practitioner go into that with all kinds of goodwill and big hope and full of cheer and aspiration and find out that the harder the person has going, you know, not intentionally. It's not that way. It's not even like one-to-one. It's not one-to-one, but definitely in some way, those who need us most need more of us, and oftentimes more than we might have at first to give or at any time, perhaps. It's true. We might not be able to help everybody even eventually once we get super, super good. There might be always somebody who our style, our technique, our education, our way of leaning in, the tone of our voice, my voice in your ear, it simply might grate on you eventually. And you're like, okay, no more of that. Well, same goes with any one client. They're just like, oh, no, I just can't get down with you. We can't help everybody, and yet we can feel I think I think that's the point. You become an SE practitioner, you can feel, oh, this truth. The more I get into this and the more I see all of the nervous system dynamics behind this and the more I see that there may be ways to guide people's attention into their process so that they experience pendulation more without it getting so wayward by their distressing signals inside, as an example. If I could do that, I could help more people, the better I get at that. The more I could help, the more I could help people who are having a more hard time. You get where this is going, right? I hope. I know. It's like, what? What's he saying? He's saying that it's a big deal. Being an SE practitioner, it's a big deal. As soon as you get in it, you realize you could help more. As soon as you start helping more, you realize you can't help as much as is needed.
1: What are you gonna do with that I'm just like, okay, I'll just get good at helping this amount. I'll just like only help people this amount, and then
0: like i won't i won't i won't uh I won't figure out how to get better at it. Oh no no no, no. when it gets that heavy, when it gets that complicated, when it gets that much distress in the room, I kind of lose my way, I'd have to do more personal work in order to be able to keep my wits about me to negotiate that very, very, very nasty, difficult conversation with this client about this bad thing that happened to them that makes them want to jump out of their skin and fly off the roof. And I I can't figure out how to get there with them because, of course, there would be all kinds of things that we would have to get better at and become more comfortable with and become more sophisticated with, and that we'd have, to, we'd, have to get, we'd have to become better and better to be able to handle those harder and harder situations. And so then, in this way, I could come to, come to a question for you, listener, dear listener, my friend and colleague who I could at any point, any point, we could be in the same place in the world and suddenly be talking to each other. It'd be great. Come up and say hi. Please do. You and I, were out here and we're like, oh, wait a second. If I can help in this way, then I could help more. Oh, wow, if I can help more, I, I won't be able to help as much yet. I'll have to, then that, that would call me
1: into a practice of getting better at something. Or would I abandon that with a title? With a plan, with a limit on my help,
0: with an explanation of what's going on with you, with a, a little organized, oh, just do this and you're going to feel better. See, don't you feel better? Oh, you do. Just do that every time that you feel not so better, and then you'll feel better. Or do you, 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 dear listener, do you have, do you have something going on inside that's making you wonder? It's like, well, wait a second. If I could understand these dynamics going on in people's distress patterns, their wayward signaling of their autonomic nervous system that is kind of influencing their neuroception in such a way that just it makes it very hard for them to change their relationship dynamics because they hear threat in everybody in their relationships simply because they're kind of tuned toward listening for threat because they still feel threatened. And not just from the fact that right now their current lives have kind of signals in them that reproduce the sense of threat, but because the sense of like some threat happened in the past, and probably in this example it's a lot of threats happened in the past, that led this person's nervous system to become conditioned to the sense that they're perpetually under threat. What would they do if they didn't have that sense of threat? Would their relationships still go the same way? Would they stay in these same relationships? Would they be able to change either the relationship or their relationship to the relationship? You you could be going into wondering, could I figure out those signals? Could I figure out how to talk to people in a way that got them interested in the process of relieving those signals rather than simply naming that those signals exist, which I can say is helpful for people. It's good to be sensitized to what's going on, to be psychobiologically informed, like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm acting this way. Oh my goodness. My nervous system is kind of like high wired to kindled in order to kind of be overly activated? Oh, wow. Oh, you mean there's a way that that could become less of that? And if it could become less of that, could it become even less of less of it? Could it become like a lot less of it? And it may be, it's true, that it's not so easy to get folks who are having a harder time to figure out that you might be able to guide their attention through that. And that's part of what requires your growing expertise. And yet inside the question, are you up for that? Are you interested in that? Is that of interest to you? Because if it is, my friends, you should know by now that that's going to take a hell of a lot of work. I mean, it's going to be hard. Uh, it's going to be not so fun. There's going to be, a ah, uh, there's going to be more discomfort you you could at any point here pull off you SE practitioner by now you're your student you're about to get your SEP you don't have to take on as it were carry the metaphor with me if you will the practice of being a SE practitioner you could you could like be an SEP you could have the letters and you can kind of walk the talk and talk the talk or Talk the talk, at least. Uh, I guess if you're going to walk the talk
1: and become an SE practitioner, uh, whoa, that could be a big deal. I mean, that could require some uh, continuous investment. Somehow, some kind of weird
0: growth-style investment on your part where you'd be like, okay, Look, I don't know everything yet. Can't know everything ever. Certainly don't know everything right now. Do you know enough that says I should maybe learn more about this? Maybe once I've learned more about this that I can do something more with it, then I'll want to know more about
1: what I can't do yet. And where is that all going to go? I mean, where's all that going to lead to, right?
0: Well, let's name out some of what goes along with being a like a practitioner of a, being an SE like having a practice of being an SE practitioner. It's like, one is you, you're going to have to hang out with people who are having a hard time. <laughs> that, that's like part of the definition. You're going to have to be willing to hang out with people who are having a hard time. I mean, you can have the title and not do that, you can have you can hang out with people who are like um just uh on their growth cycle, which I, I'm down with. Any of these options. These are all options. And and there's there's like some being a practitioner kind of role with all of this. But if we get down to the nitty-gritty of it, right, my friends, like what would it be to be like practicing being an SE practitioner, to like have a practice of being an SE practitioner and mean that you were in it and you were letting yourself be in it and you were accepting that you were going to spend time
1: with people who are having a hard time. I mean, just that notion makes me want to look around and make sure if that's like the right idea. Right? Because like, it's hard hanging out around hard times. I
0: mean, it makes sense to want to get away from hard times.
1: So that's at least one thing. Gonna have to be around hard times. Another thing, you're not gonna
0: be able to fix people right away. You're not gonna be able to give them the relief that they wanted yesterday. You're not going to be able to fulfill your, your deep desire to have every single session go so smooth and perfectly that there is just an upward trend of this person continuously feeling better whenever they have spent time with you, leaving you and having that experience integrate inside of them and influence in a positive way everything else that is going on in their lives, in their lives until they meet you again to where you can take the next appropriate titrated step that helps everything else just take that next nice, integratable, executable, just noticeable difference that then leads this person into just being like, oh, ever since I met you, I've just been feeling better and better and better and better. No way. No way. There's like a dozen setups right along the healing path of coming out of fixity. Just take one example, coming out of freeze. Person with high order distress who's been in a hard place in their life for a long time, they have been having a lot of influence from the dorsal vagal complex. This person who's been having a lot of influence from the dorsal vagal complex comes in, works with you and starts to feel different. Things start to move. You start to help them execute some self-protective responses and get some completion and start to deactivate that. What is going to happen? They are going to feel less freeze. Everybody cheer. Yay, less freeze. What else is that going to mean? They are going to feel more sympathetic arousal. More aggression. More fear. More sensation. They're very likely to feel more upset, more agitated, more likely to have conflict at home. They are not likely to come in and say, although you could hope for it, they're not likely to come and say, oh my gosh, ever since I came out of that freeze, I've been feeling so much better. I'm just ready to fight with everybody and everybody else is going along with it. And thank you so much for helping me get out of freeze. Can't we keep moving through all of this aggression and move on down to where I start to just feel more at ease every day? Right? I mean, you'd like that, I'd like that, we'd like that, now they're going to come in and complain, they're going to come in and tell you that something's wrong, they're going to come in and tell you that at least before they weren't feeling very much, now somebody thankfully, and it's beautiful when it happens, is going to come in and say, well, at least I'm feeling now, and that's a beautiful thing to hear. In fact, it's a beautiful thing to hear from an SE practitioner's perspective that this coming out of freeze thing is leading to more mobilized aggression and anxiety for a time, as long as we have enough influence over this person's attention to be able
1: to guide that through to some kind of settling. It's It's a beautiful thing to hear about. And yet,
0: one of the challenges of being an SE practitioner is now we have to figure out how to help people go along with feeling more uncomfortable through the process, even when the process is supposed
1: to help them feel better? I mean, that's weird. So what goes along with being an
0: SE practitioner? It means that you don't get to simply be a cheerleader for the good, nor do you simply get to ride some kind of everything here makes sense kind of wave. And thus, at times you need to be able to explain or accept the disquietude in the relationship and the discomfort of your client with the process and not oversell it and make it as though this is like really great when the person doesn't feel really great, but at the same time you have to know that these things are often, and you have to be able to discern, and that's part of your learning experience, I should say. But you have to be able to discern,
1: is this a sign of things going in the right direction? Wow. Well, there's like a whole nother can right there. I mean, a can,
0: like that whole nother box. Open the box, and... Get a whole new thing every time you open this box. And what do you see? All of the things you don't yet know yet. How to explain these difficult signs of the right direction to clients. You don't know how to explain all those yet. You're still wondering is this a positive sign or a negative sign? Is this really something going in the wrong direction or perhaps a sign? of the system mobilizing and it feeling awkward and off, but maybe something that we can turn toward being productive and then helping the nervous system to settle. And what else you don't know? All of the ins and outs of, like, how to talk to people who are more shut down, people who are more aggressive, people who are more afraid, like, you, you, you're... you So many things inside the box of I don't know yet, how to deal with shame, how to deal with people's ability or inability to get on to sessions on time or to leave on time, all of it takes learning, takes experience, takes some exposure and takes some missing it and some attention. Now, I would say that the practice of being an SE practitioner relies on a certain kind of interest inside the work that comes right out of the sense of curiosity, right out of the sense of right inside the center of the work is the notion and the desire for curiosity rather than what we expect, the apprehension of what's going to happen. And that curiosity, it could and should maybe Drive or an, like kind of like calm down any of the anxiety that goes along with I don't know yet, to maybe instead say, I don't you don't know yet, and I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out how to say this to people in a way that they go along with it. I'm gonna find out how to help this person to negotiate their fear over coupled with their immobility. I'm gonna find out how to slow this person down without making them feel intruded upon. I'm going to learn how to do these things over time, which would mean that the practice of being an SE practitioner is a kind of a curiosity and growth plan. I'm going to practice not knowing and still paying attention in order to try to
1: figure it out. There are other things that go right along with any of that.
0: Feeling like you can notice your bones. You can be inside your body. You can put your back against the back of the chair. I guess it'd be the front of the back of the chair. You could put the back of your back against the front of the back of your chair in a session with somebody before they're having a hard time, as they're starting to have a hard time, once they're having a hard time, at the peak of their hard time. And I'm not saying this because you should always have the back of your back against the front of your chair. No. There are plenty of times that your back should be out in the air. You should be moving around. You should be on the front of your chair. You should be on the back of your chair. What I'm about to say is that you should be able
1: to, put your back against your chair when you need to. Which in the
0: service of being an SE practitioner is in the service of your client's need for you to be able to put your back against your chair. So there's like an entire like cultivation of your capacity to
1: ride your activation That goes along with being like a practitioner. What, I mean, whoa, my goodness. Like we said at the beginning, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, you'd have to like do your own work, you'd have to figure out.
0: Which of your, like, responses to things are your triggers and which of them are your spontaneous reactions and which of your triggers could you relate to in such a way that you could at least modify their influence on your behavior in the moment so that when you're getting upset by something that one of your clients is saying, you can calm yourself down rather than get upset in a way that then influences how you speak to them keeping in mind that the people who are coming to us for the kind of help that we have to offer and we are offering, those are the kind of people who are going to by by exquisite degree pick up on our responses. So we start flashing some aggression inside of our voice, inside of our upper lip, in our forehead and brow. Whoa, our client's, they don't even perhaps know it. Some of them are going to be super conscious of it. Some are going to be unconscious of it. They're going to pick that up just like any other mammal would. And some who have been through extreme distress or bad things that happened, particularly interpersonally with other folks, are going to pick it up to fine degree. We don't want, you don't want, us SE practitioners don't want that stuff influencing our tone of voice when it doesn't need to.
1: So there's like doing our personal work to just kind of like, you know, get the get the mainstay of all
0: that. <laughs> I know, guys. I mean, really. Come on. We, it happened to us too, right? These, these things happened to us too by degree. Thank you. Not everybody had it as bad. Oh, isn't it good to know? And I know. I know the truth. Ain't none of you walking around out there like, oh, I just feel super good all the time. Ain't none of you likely ever going to feel that way. That'd be a weird feeling. I feel good all the time. No, more pendulation coming your way. That's what I'm hoping for. And yet, we come into this work and we've got plenty of baggage, right? Just like any client could be. We are our own. We are clients. We are clients. Just as much as any client is our client, we are the client of somebody else. And there are plenty of at-the-surface-level things that we need to do our own work in order to relieve so that they are not overly influencing our sessions when all they would be doing would be influencing our clients' behavior. And our clients don't need that. It's not part of the practice. Our, Our practice is to kind of guide the clients into relationship with what they need to complete. And so we've got like some kind of range. I kind of named it a little bit. Just I named three points: things that don't bother us anymore, things that bother us, but we can do something about, them, things that bother us and influence our behavior without us really being able to stop that. We'll now just name that as a scale, because like, we could be more or less aware of any part of that, including things that bother us, influence our behavior, and we only wake up to the fact that they were influencing our behavior an hour. Two days, two weeks, two years later. Our task is to see it in the moment and go like, "Oh wow, this is this is uh, this is riling me up. I got to be able to put my back against the chair here, calm myself down in the right amount, the right way, so that I can uh, give the appropriate accompaniment to the person who I am in service of right now." That's the request of the practitioner well you can't do that yet me neither sometimes whoa look at that no kidding yes true particularly in the past i mean in the past i'd just i'd i'd get way too riled up i I'd, I'd get mad i'd say something i'd get excited that would be my big thing i'd get excited i'd be like oh yeah that's it feel that feel that now oh
1: yeah oh yeah pay attention now
0: no Client doesn't need that. They need the appropriate amount of cheer, the appropriate just right amount of positive reflection, as named out in an earlier podcast episode on Twig's SC Reflections, the just right amount of positive reflection. They need that, but that requires us to be able to contain, kind of relate to our own reactivity that might be going on in the session. whoa. I mean, you're just going to pull that off in the moment? That doesn't need some other kind of work? No, that's why it's a practice. Whoa, did we say it was going to be hard? Yeah, we did. So what would—you'd have to do self-care? <laughs> oh, my goodness. To, like, be able to pull yourself back in the moment of getting triggered in a session because of somebody's distress and you're trying to fix it rather than let them roll through it. Not saying that you shouldn't try and fix it sometimes not saying you should try and make everybody roll through it, saying that you should learn, you're going to have to learn, when to discern, oh, this person can handle this, I need to let them go on through this, this person needs more support, I need to give an appropriate amount of support here. Getting that wherewithal requires us not being so triggered in the moment. Getting not so triggered in the moment requires us being able to ride our own activation better. Being able to ride our own activation better requires us at least not having the dominant like, dude, you need to turn and run for your life things right now. Like we need to get some of those clear. So, yeah, like you you take the SE training and there's some requirement that you have a certain number of sessions. Hello, my friends. Hello. Can anybody else see that that's like a minimum requirement? Like who only needs eight sessions? Maybe it's 12. I don't know. It's not enough. I mean, it's enough if, you, if, if, you're, if you're down, and I'm down with wherever you need to be in this, but in this conversation, if you're like, I need to be a practitioner of this because I need to help more than I can currently help now, then you're going to end up in some kind of process where you're going to have to grow more. And if you got your bag of all the incomplete self-protective responses and all the hurts that you haven't kind of negotiated with in the past, and I'm not saying you have to go and like, tinker with every last one, but you got to get through enough of it that it's not compelling you in the moment of your sessions. So if one of your clients needs you to express more in your face, you can express more in your face to join up with that. And Now that's just at the surface, I mean that's like the surface stuff. Then there's all of the
1: depth that you might need to try to cultivate need to cultivate as you go along And therefore, you could want to cultivate it. Because if, if you're going to, like,
0: improve, I mean, if you're going to help more, if you're going to help more people who you were unable to help before because now you're getting more awareness on how to communicate and how to guide more challenged people, you won't just have to, like, kind of do some of your own personal work from your past. There'll be so much more. There'll be, like, the daily grind. What? Do you really sit in a chair for an hour at a time with somebody else who before they came to your office was more or less having a hard time and when they leave, hopefully, they're kind of like, okay, I'm feeling the difference and I'm feeling the path, but at least I'm feeling the path or at least I'm committed or at least I don't want to continue to have to feel this way and I'm involved in a process that takes this much in any case, they're very unlikely leaving with, like golden halos around them that say everything is going to be better forever. It's not going to happen. There will be the magic
1: session. Thank you very much, and I appreciate those. I'm a fan. But, you know, mostly like you're, gonna, you're spending
0: an hour with distressed people like kind of hunched over in low oxygen state, and that is not going to take a toll on you. You're hanging out with people who have a press kind of voice hour after hour at some agency and people are coming in for their tests and you're having to negotiate and just drop these little SE hints along the way because you can't do full SE and and you don't think you need to go get a massage? My friends, you need to go get a massage.
1: You do. You need tons of self-care. You're going to do this work. You need tons of self-care. Gonna make yourself sick and tired and bored and gonna start to think that everybody's unhappy.
0: I made the joke a couple podcasts ago, like 50 or so, right? Like I said, oh, you know, you
1: need to go do some Zumba classes. And and I mean that. I mean it definitively. If you if you If you realize, if you hang out studying trauma, if you hang out with
0: traumatized people, if you are accompanying and mirroring folks that are in distress, trying to guide them toward having more openness and well-being, but you can't just be open and express your well-being in front of them or you will put them off, well, you got to go get that open, expressed well-being somewhere. And you would have to do it by degree. Oh, yeah, you don't want to go to some dance thing. I get it. Sure, don't go to some dance thing. Go to a play and watch other people dance and take delight in it. Or find the appropriate titration that makes you go, oh, okay. I feel better, I feel lighter, I feel more at ease. Go test drive cars, go window shopping, go hang out with a friend and have a cup of tea. I don't know what it is, but in there, you gotta see that if it's like, I just go to work, I go home and I take care of other people and there's a lot of noise going on around my life and I gotta deal with this and I gotta deal with that and I listen to podcasts while I'm driving and it's all good, my friends, I love you, I'm busy too. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, if you're not like laying down at some time during the day between sessions, if you're not finding some stairs to walk up and down, if you're not taking a walk around the block in between at least one of your session sets during the day, it's like, hello. I mean, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not saying that you're doing anything bad, but from the... Practice of being an SE practitioner perspective, my friends, you need more of a practice. You need more of a quote discipline. You need, you need like some routines, some things that you do that say, yeah, I do these things to kind of keep myself up and keep myself sane and keep myself moving in the right direction and keep myself more open and keep myself reminding myself that it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom. And I'm not saying all your clients are always doom and gloom. I'm just taking the example that as you get deeper into this, you start having the opportunity to help people who have had harder stuff
1: happen to them. So when you're going to be in that room, when you're going to be in that room where, like, eventually, and you you could, you could be in that room. Unintentionally,
0: you could... Sign up for it. You can get there upon arrival. You can get there before you intended. You get into that room that it's just like,
1: that's kind of like the worst thing that happens to people. And you're going to sit there with somebody in that? You know, like, uh, what well-being are you rested on?
0: How much sleep are you getting? Do you eat food that helps you ground before you go into something like that?
1: Now you don't have to have that quality of attention
0: and sincerity for every single session. You don't. In fact, that would be really hard and uh, require a huge practice. some of the assistants, as an example, know that quality of a practice because when they go to the SE training and they offer sessions and they're working early in the morning then attending to the students through the class, attending to sessions oftentimes at lunch, again the class, oftentimes a meeting with their associates and the assisting team, and then they're doing sessions in the evening, it's like a real discipline. they got to keep themselves. They got to keep themselves well at ease and well cared for. Otherwise, by the end of the week, it's like, well, their sessions with anybody are just poorly done and poor attention to it. And if any of those bigger sessions kind of came forward, the practitioner wouldn't have the necessary free attention to support in the appropriate kind of way at that time which is a magical time to be there for it. You don't get to say, oh, I didn't do my yoga yesterday and today, and I'm kind of all tightened up, and I'm not in the right mood for this, and wow, I guess you're bringing this forward, but I'm not signed up right now. Which, of course, will need to happen at times. But if if we're joining up on the practitioner task of being an SE practitioner, It's a continuous investment. It's a continuous representation of the fact that, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I do. Some part of my week requires that I give exquisite attention to somebody who could require exquisite skill in guiding their attention through things that would naturally make anybody want to get away from them. I need to be clear of mind when I go in to do that. I need to, like, have some, uh, some sugar in my blood, as it were. You know, I need to not need to go pee all the time because I've been drinking too much caffeine, as one example. I need to think about my lifestyle and the choices I make the night before so that I'm prepared for the day after. All of that becomes part of the uh, practice
1: of being an SE practitioner. And I've got to tell you, I'm not always up for it. Personally, me, Anthony
0: Twigwheeler. No thanks. Whoa. Oh, no way. I have too much work. (laughs) I mean, it's a grand and beautiful thing to do day after day, week after week, month after month. Like, attend to people who are, when they are not in your presence, they are still being influenced by your attentiveness to their process. You know, and, and here we get into a whole nother thing, which is more classic, but it's a whole piece inside of the SE part of being a helping practitioner, wherein you're like, am I going to be available to folks? When we're not in session, am I going to do kind of like, quote, attachment style work where people can kind of attach to me and and kind of be able to access concern and response from me when they need it rather than on a time schedule that we pre-propose together? What kind of relationship, all of that, that you set up, it has a lot to do with how you you know, kind of cultivate your life. And, uh, you know, let's. some of us have more of that kind of steady state attitudinal position to give to clients, and some of us are just really not very well suited to that. I wasn't super suited to that, so I became more of a massage therapist originally, right, as an example. But I shared an office, as an example, with a dear, dear friend of mine who I've evoked Invoked a few times on the SE Reflections podcast, Elizabeth Bowles, who is passed now. But when Elizabeth and I shared an office, there was a fern inside of her office that I subletted from her and we collaborated out of there for a couple of years. In fact, this fern in her office, she had had in her therapeutic office for 25 years. She had the same fern for 25 years. Like she was an extremely well-respected somatic therapist in Olympia, Washington. And like a decade before I became anything related to therapy, I knew of her because half of my friends were going to see her. And many folks went to see her for a decade or more and knew that fern for like their entire existence with her. That's a special kind of person who can provide a special kind of service to, frankly, a lot of folks who really need that kind of accompaniment. And inside of there, there's kind of a, a special element of what it would be like to be an SE practitioner inside of that. Because then, to be honest, you'd have to be walking with people through their felt experience of their distressing states a lot. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you'd have to be present for their change process a lot, as compared to other folks, right, who, you know, we, we think we're going to see a person five, eight times, two, three times, for a couple months. That kind of notion is a very different kind of work. The classic, say, traumatic experiencing Re- experience renegotiation work, like a thing happened to you and it has unsettled you. If you could be settled again, you wouldn't want to spend your time in therapy. You would go on to do other things with your life, but you feel unable to do that until you get through this unsettled time. It's a very, these are very different kinds of like offerings. And you, dear listener, are probably clear and Getting clear, you will need to get clear on what your particular style and what your offering is. No matter what your offering is, though, you may have to be there for somebody in the midst of this kind of like, this is raw
1: moment. This kind of like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is really, really terrible. This is a
0: terrible, terrible thing that we're having to talk about right here. We wouldn't want this to happen to anybody. And here I am talking to somebody who this happened to. Maybe simultaneously to that, this is naturally reminding me of other terrible things that I
1: either know about or that have happened to me personally. Can't spin out in that moment. I mean, you can realize in that moment
0: that you're not appropriate for the task. And you can look for the way to guide this person toward um, a more appropriate kind of work for your level of practitioner experience. That may include that this could be the moment that you realize that this is somebody that you need, and you really do need, to provide a solid referral for and make the communication to help that referral take place. That could all be true. But suppose you're going to just
1: go into it because, like, here you are and this is your job. Well, you know, you want to have eaten breakfast. Now, in the I'm not always up for it kind of thing,
0: that's true. That's an Anthony Twig kind of thing. I'm not always up for it. I'm not, as an example, an Open practice SE practitioner right now, it's it's not right for me right now. I can't share the quality of attention that would, which would be asked for from me in the average session or even in the like like the unique sessions. I can't do that right now because my attention is very much occupied by these other kinds of activities like this website development stuff that I'm doing with SE Reflections or the teaching element that I'm doing in my consultations or even the artistic element that I'm trying to do with my Creative Commons, uh, uh, better said, um, cultural animator, little productions company, Crack in the Concrete, like all of that It's just consuming my attention in such a way that if I'm attending to people in distress, I can't do both. So years ago, I had to make the choice that I was going to, at least for some time, put down the role of constantly being an SE practitioner and constantly being available for that quality of attention with people to where You know, you get in on a heavy session with somebody and you're going to end up paying attention to them for weeks afterwards in the back of your mind all the day, all the night, until you know that something has changed to help that resolve. And if you don't do that, that's cool, but that's definitely what I do. I go through the big heavy with somebody, whether it's complete or incomplete, it's like they're like a a piece of my life for weeks to come, even while I'm doing all of the good boundary work to say, look, my life, their life. It's still going to be there. So I can't, I'm not all signed up for it, right? So I don't, I don't make myself available in such a way. And to be honest, like I have a couple times and I didn't do a good job. I didn't. I simply didn't do a good job. I work with a few people who don't have the big heavy, who don't need me in the same way. It's true. And I work with friends and family and local folks in my community who have had a recent kind of thing and need some help getting through something, and I can help with that without much issue. But like maintaining the practice of being an SE practitioner, I was like, wow, I can't do this right now. Now, I get to do all kinds of self-cultivation. You know, like I'm doing my improv studies as an example, requires all kinds of practicing of being an improv practitioner or an improv um, player. But uh, phew, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as the practice of being an SE practitioner. That specific kind of stuff, you know, it requires some warm baths at the end of the night. <laughs> like in a, in a very specific kind of way, it means like going to bed at the right time. Not every night of the week, perhaps, and not like you have to live like a saint. I wouldn't want to ever propose that. But try and mix up too much
1: laissez-faire living with the practice of being an SE practitioner. And end
0: up in one of those sessions where somebody really needs you. And find out that you haven't been giving enough over to your own self-care, your own growth and education, your own willingness to not be perfect yet, but to do your best as you go along. End up in that moment that it's like, this is actually where it mattered. That you did everything else that would get you to where
1: this person would be up for sharing this moment with you. And if you kept
0: the sign on your door that said, I'll help you with that when it comes forward, and when we have the shared communication between us that now's the
1: time we're going to do that together, well, I think you want to have been practicing with yourself, uh, cultivating your instrument, as it were, so that you'll do a good job. And I think you can do that. I
0: think it's worth doing that. It's been one of the greatest self-cultivation moves of my life. That and assisting at the SE training, two of the greatest kind of like, wow, look, bedtime reading, the autonomic nervous system in high relief. Wow, hard words. They put me right to sleep. My goodness. What a cultivation. Not that you have to read that stuff every night. You don't. But if you're going to, quote, have a practice of being an SE practitioner, you're going to involve yourself in a style of
1: living that supports your success in the moment when you'll need it the most.
0: I am wishing you The very best with whatever amount of that kind of effort you choose to take on. And I want to name that if you take that on for a time, I for one believe, and I hope others do too, that it doesn't mean that that's the only thing you can do for the rest of your life. I bet you can develop those skills, develop that kind of practice, and then you can choose. Is this what I'm going to continue to do for the next window of my life? And when you chose something else, I bet you could go back and be even better at it when the time is right. Okay, my friends, that there is enough of all of that on the practice of being an SE practitioner. You gotta know that I love you being out there. I'm cheering for you. You will find me sereflections.com, where there's just a ton of really great stuff going on, particularly the thing that I'm most involved and invested in right now is my online class, Where to Start for SE Practitioners. That's a paid program, a guided tour through a sequential stepwise process of taking clients through new sessions, new clients through a session sequence that helps them to understand what you are going to be doing together in your work so that you two can work more successfully together. That's the Where to Start program. It's at sereflections.com. That's a primary effort of mine right now, along with other things that I'm looking forward to sharing with you, including in this upcoming Tracking Twig moment. Okay. Hope you're all well out there. Welcome to the new year. Let's... uh Let's have a good trip around the sun. Bye bye now. Get
1: up, get up, get up, get up,
0: get up, get up. Here's a tracking twig moment for the long listener. I am on to all kinds of new projects in the new year. I've been setting up the background for many of them over the last um, two years. One of them is sereflections.com, which This podcast is now housed at its own website, sereflections.com, having moved from liberationispossible.org. So now at sereflections.com is all of my materials that I've created for SE practitioners out there, including all of the archives for the free podcast, for which this was episode 101, as well as a couple online courses that I've put a lot of Refined work into one on the SE language, mastering your communications with SE clients, so that you can just really help guide things without uh, friction between you. And then also the where to start program, which maybe is a place I recommend people start. And that is a reflection program on how to guide clients through the kind of uh, I would call it the maybe the Ah, it's terrible. Ah, I've been working on the computer too much. The onboarding or intake process of like getting people to participate more in your SE sessions rather than sit there and wonder what your request is. Anyway, those are all at sereflections.com. Now, the next offering that I'd like to make is not going to be a solo piece, fortunately, but I'm finally prepared and uh, kind of have everything set up to do a um, community-based project together. I'd like to start a new podcast. This one will be called Our Essay Reflections, and it's going to be interviews, conversations between myself and whomever would like to join me in one-on-one conversations. We'll take these to about a 25-minute limit. I'll try and go for 20 minutes, but we're going to limit them to 25 minutes. I have a sign-up sheet, sign-up process at se/reflections.com/backslash/our/reflections/our-reflections, and if you go to the home page, you're going to see a button for that. Our reflections, and that's to sign up for joining me on a phone call for 25 minutes. Uh, we'll we'll actually meet for 30 minutes on the phone, but we'll uh, record for about 20-25 minutes of a conversation about you. And your experience as an SE practitioner, um, I have a set of questions that I've been cultivating and I'll run you through those questions as we have our conversation and we'll just make a, a shared uh, communication with other practitioners out there and we'll talk about books that you found helpful, things that you find challenging in the work, what got you turned on to the work, all of that and, uh, and we'll just see if we can make a, our SE Reflections podcast together. So again, if you go to sereflections.com, go to the homepage, or if you want to go straight there, sophisticated like, go to the backslash hour slash reflections. And uh, you could sign up and we could chat sometime
1: and we'll share it with other practitioners around the world. Okay, thanks so much.